If you'd open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers, we desire to, to learn this evening, to be reminded of what your word says. Father, we pray that you would remind us of the truth of your word. That, Father, what you say here is explicitly true in every single case. And that, Father, we are always to submit ourselves to what your word says and to what your word declares. And we ask, Lord, as we think through these things, that you will help us, Father, to understand how these are to affect the way we look at the world, the way that we understand the world the way that we understand our life and how we are to live. As always, Father, we desire that uh, in whatever ways that we think in a worldly way, that, Father, that would always be challenged and also, Lord, that it would be changed. That, Father, we would indeed think your thoughts after you. And so, Father, once again, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for preserving it for us. And we do ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. I think one of the reasons why uh, Christians, at least in our country and westernized um, countries, really uh, get a great deal out of the epistles is because of the way they are, they are written. Uh, basically, what we're dealing with is propositional truths. These are, these are statements that are made. Uh, these are declarations that are made by the apostles. These are those things that come from the Lord. And as we, if we approach the word correctly, we will then understand what it is that's, that's being given to us. Uh, these are statements that are true. In, in every single case, they are true. We are to evaluate the way that we understand the world, the way that we think about things, in light of what the Scripture says. It doesn't matter what direction any culture is going. It doesn't matter what kind of philosophy we want to adhere to. As believers, we submit ourselves to what the Word of God says. So you can kind of take these as phrases or sentences and just kind of lay them out. We mentioned this last week as to these declarations. Number one, God is speaking and he tells us, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That's it. There's no clause here. Um, the only clause that we would even come up with as we look at all of Scripture is if a parent is asking their child to go against what God has clearly commanded. That would be, that would be, and that would be true in any situation. Whenever we are asked by anyone in authority to violate what the Scripture says, then obviously we are to obey God, period. But, that, but that's not a license for us to use that phrasing when someone asks us or tells us to do something that we just don't like. I have to make sure we're not trying to hide behind that. So again, children obey your parents in the Lord. The idea that we mentioned last week is that uh, the individual is doing this for the sake of Christ, in Christ. He's obeying Christ by obeying his parents. The idea is that you're not obeying your parents so your parents will like you. You're not obeying your parents so your parents will be pleased with you. That may be a part of it, but it must ultimately be as Christians. It is for Christ. If uh, the individual is obeying their parents, Uh, only because they want their parents to think well of them, and they're not doing this in light of who Christ is, then that is not the kind of obedience that God is looking for. We're not going to declare that it's wrong, 
But even as we raise our children as Christians, we want them to understand that when it comes to them obeying mom and dad, there's more at stake here than just the authority of mom and dad. That their relationship with Christ, who Christ is, what Christ has commanded, is really what is the ultimate here. And that as they then obey what we say, they are also obeying Christ and that is pleasing to the Lord. We want them to begin to think in those ways because a a child is not going to naturally do that. No one's going to naturally do that. Remember, again, we're all born spiritually dead. We're born in sin. We don't think the way that God would have us to think. It doesn't mean that in every, every way we think that we're always wrong, but we don't make all the proper connections for sure. And it's important for us to help our children uh, to make those connections. And again, he ends it by, 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 by making this declaration, for this is right. Then, verse 2, honor your father and your mother. Again, there's no exception clause here. It doesn't say honor your father and mother unless they're lousy parents. Now, sometimes there are those who have really lousy parents. And we see that more and more as we become accustomed to seeing people. Normally, it's, uh, we would say it's those outside of the church, but not always that's the case anymore. But there is still to be this idea that we honor uh, our parents because God has commanded us to. We are honoring them because of the position they have. They are our parents. Uh, they are our parents because that's how God has ordained it to be. And so there is to be an honoring there. That honoring does not mean that we are condoning uh, perhaps what they've done wrong in our life. We're not condoning. Maybe there's some hypocrisy. You know, If there's hypocrisy in our parents, the child is going to see that. That's not a condoning of that. This isn't a pretending that the parent is perfect. Uh, there's nothing in here about honoring your parents if they deserve it. Uh, the point, point is, is that we are to honor them. This, again, is a command from the Lord. As children, we are to obey, and as we move along, we are to honor them. And then, of course, it tells us here that this is the first commandment with a promise. Let me just add that when it says that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth, that doesn't mean that you're going to live to be 120. Um, I guess maybe the best way to understand that would be that you're going to live as long as you're supposed to. I know that may not be helpful, uh, but I know this, that if you do not honor your parents, you might die before you're supposed to. Now, how all that figures in with the sovereignty of God and all that, I don't know. All I know is is that uh, you're going down the wrong path if you don't honor your parents. So this is an important thing for us to do. And we do this because um, this is is the, the morality this is the standard that God is giving us that, that is being passed on. In our country uh, as a whole, we, we are moving fairly rapidly away from this. When individuals become older, they are considered to be irrelevant. They're considered to be a burden. Um, a lot of things come to mind when it comes to that, uh, the, the, the way that we deal with the elderly and that type of thing. And so uh, this even leads to sometimes those who are elderly always trying to always be younger than they are. Um, and it just, it just leads to a mess, uh, to say the least. But this is, this is again, this is a, these are foundational things. And Paul is uh, declaring this. And so we have to remember that as Christians, to live as Christians is more than just that we attend church faithfully. It's more than just the fact that we open our Bibles and we read them. It's more than just the fact that we may share Christ with those who we work with that are not believers. It includes every aspect of our life, including the relationships we have within our families. Those are very important to God. 
He even tells us that if one does not look out for his own family, he's worse than an infidel. He's worse than an unbeliever. Uh, he's making that statement. The relationships that we have with each other, uh, again, in the context here, the relationship we have with our family is really very important. Um, and so I want to make sure that as Christians that we are honoring and we are living in obedience to what the Word of God says. So then if someone says to us, uh, the goal always is to bring it back to the Lord, not in a, not in a false way or a forced way, but if, if, if there's this discussion and someone says, oh, I just really admired you, the way that you care for your parents. Well, it's okay for us to say that we love our parents very much. There's nothing wrong with that. But I also think it's important for us to try to find a way to add into that, that, well, yes, I do love my parents very much, but it, it is what God commands us to do. Because people, regardless of what age category they are in, are important to God. And the way that we treat each other reflects on our devotion to Christ. See, they're not expecting to hear that. They may not want to hear that, because you may not know this, but whatever you declare uh, to them in that way may, may really be pointing a spotlight on deficiencies in their lives. And, and you're, you would be unaware of that, but, but you are, you're giving this, this reason. It comes back to who God is. And I think that's really important. As I mentioned last week, let me just again uh, remind you of this, that if parents do not raise their children where they insist that their child obeys them, I believe that they may be sinning against God. Because this is what he declares here. This is the way things are supposed to be. So this is not, what we're looking at here is not just some some old-fashioned idea. This is not something that's now passe and you know, we've, we're more enlightened and we move on. This is what God has declared. And so the way that we instruct our children, again, it's not that we are bad parents and we just demand they obey us because God has said, but we still demand that they obey us because God has said. Right? We want to make sure that we have a, a good relationship with them. And I've mentioned before, and I think this is important because sometimes the wrong idea can come across depending on what kind of books you read when it comes to Christian parenting. Again, there's more than one way when it comes to the specifics of how we raise our children. So everyone does not have to be some kind of strict disciplinarian. Not everybody has to be the individual who only uses one mode of of punishment. Uh, There are many ways to do this. The thing is that we are to be consistent. We are not to let things go. We must insist that they obey us. And then we must also teach them why that is important. And so... You know, in some families, you know, the parents may want to lecture their kids. I'm one of those that's not on that side. <laughs> you know, I think that maybe the lecture should be a little shorter and corporal punishment should be moved, used a little more. But at the same time, I understand that even with, that, with, with, with our own children, there will be certain ones where corporal punishment may be the best way to go, and with others, it's not. Because we, we adjust... The way we discipline them, because remember the goal of discipline is to what? Is to correct. We're seeking to guide and direct them to grow to be responsible adults. And so the idea then is that the parents need to be involved in the lives of their children. So we have to be careful when it comes to how we look at them. Even though we have raised, each one of us, as we've raised our children, if you're older, you've raised your children the way that you have. Perhaps your children have turned out right, and that's good. That's always because of the grace and mercy of God. It's not because of us. In fact, oftentimes it's in spite of us. But the way we did it is not necessarily always the right way. So there are general things that we must all do. Number one, we must all discuss 
God with our children. All parents must be the primary source of information about God and Christ as the child grows. Now, that becomes more diverse as they get older and they're exposed to more and more people. But in the beginning, that is mom and dad. They are, you know, the church supplements what they do, not the other way around. That is important. So now, there's lots of ways to do that. Um, some, some families, uh, they will have family devotions. Um, but that's not the only way to do this. Others, they will sit down and they will have maybe a, 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 an hour study with their kids. If, if your kids are into that, and you develop an atmosphere where that's a good thing, there's nothing wrong with that. The key is, is that we don't just leave those things undone. We want to make sure that we are paying attention to those things and striving. And then, as always, we're asking God to bless that. So again, we want to make sure that when it comes to some of these basic things, that it is not an outdated idea. It would never be outdated. Uh, but we must insist that children obey their parents. So then, this would then be a word to the grandparents. Grandparents... When we interact with our grandchildren, one of the things we must always do is reinforce to our grandchildren that they are to obey their parents, period. It's very important that we never undermine what mom and dad are doing, even if you disagree with them. Right? That you talk to your parent, your, your kids about that, but you do not undermine them. You don't say, well, I know daddy says you can do this, but papa says you can do this. And we don't do that. That would be wrong for us to do that. We want to make sure that we continue to reinforce that idea uh, to them. And sometimes grandparents may, maybe unwittingly, will undermine the authority of the parents. They didn't mean to, uh, but but they can still do that. Um, So, you know, I I sometimes, maybe, I don't know if I go overboard, but I try to make sure that if I'm with my grandchildren, if if I'm talking to them and I'm going to do something for them, I always let them know that either they should or I'm going to check with mom or dad. I'm going to make sure that it's okay. I'm not trying to make mom and dad out to be the bad guy. If mom and dad say no, I want my grandchildren to know that I am on board. Because mom and dad know best. I don't know what else is going on. So I want to make sure that that is the case uh, with them. Uh, even when the grandchildren stay at my house sometimes, you know, grandparents who want our, we want, I don't know about you, but I want my, grand, my grandkids to stay up past bedtime, you know, go to grandpa's house, we're staying up, but I let mom and, they don't always know this, but I'm letting mom and dad know, because they might say, well, you know, we got something big coming up tomorrow, and they, they need to get their sleep, so, so I don't say, well, Papa was going to let you stay up late and watch a movie, but you know what? Your mom and dad, they're like a cosmic killjoy. And they have said, you got to go to bed. I'm not going to do that. All right? The point is, is hey, it's time for bed. It's going to be this positive reinforcement. That's not being phony. I just think it's doing the right thing. And I want to, if we all go out somewhere we, and we're going to go shopping, I'm going to say, well, um, you know, can I have this? Well, let me talk. If it's okay with mom and dad, yes. You know, Papa says yes. If they say no, Papa says no. And then if they have a bad attitude, I'm going to, I'm not going to, you know, climb down the throat, but I'm going to say, whoa, hold on. And I'm going to, I want them to know that I, you know, mom and dad are right uh, in these things. So this is really important for us to understand these things uh, because remember, society is working constantly against the family. And, and when I say that, not, it's not just the family structure that there's a mom and dad and kids. Our society is working against the whole authoritarian structure of the home. The dad is the head, they hate that. 
that mom and dad are authorities over the kids, they hate that. They hate that. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard, uh, this has been mentioned a lot in, in, um, as people talk about Richard Dawkins and the things that he says, um, but he's one of the individuals who said that when parents, he means primarily Christian parents, when Christian parents talk to the children about God, he says that that's a form of child abuse. That's what we're facing. Not everybody's jumped on board with that statement, but that's how people view it. That we should not, in fact, there are those who say, well, you know, you might even hear Christians sometimes say this, well, we never force Christianity on our children. We want them to decide for themselves. Okay, I agree. You don't want to force it under the throat, but no, you do not want them to decide for themselves. That is not going to go well. You're going to do everything you can to persuade them. Absolutely. We're not forcing them. We want them to know the truth. We want them to learn how to think. We want them to understand the gospel. Um, as I said this morning, we were going through some things in Sunday school. Uh, it is not unusual for our children to maybe even want to believe in Christ and the gospel because we do. And that's not necessarily wrong in the beginning. But we should never be satisfied with that. We want to continue to teach them and instruct them so that they believe in Christ because they believe it's true. Because they become convinced that it's right. Uh, and so we want to make sure that we, um, we take all those things very seriously. So again, when it comes to this idea of insisting that our children obey us, um, it doesn't matter really what our reasoning is if we're not doing that. It doesn't matter if you think your child is turning out well. This simply must be done. As I mentioned before, there's eight things we're going to go through. I think that I first came across a list similar to this, or maybe, maybe it was this list. A uh, guy wrote a book um, on child rearing. His name is Richard Fugate, and I think he wrote his first book uh, on this, or the first uh, edition of it came out in 1968. And it's just really, really uh, good. But we want to make sure that we're thinking through everything that the Bible is saying, and even what it infers, or what it's implying, especially when it comes to these very practical things. Uh, because the Bible really is, in many instances, a very practical book. And the Bible is to influence our thinking in every way. We want to be biblical in the way we think about everything. We want to be very well informed by the Bible. Uh, God, again, has preserved his word, uh, not, you know, yeah, in a sense for us to memorize it, but not just to be memorized and, and we never go beyond that, but to really expand our understanding and thinking about the world. So this idea then, the first one, is requiring obedience of children is implicit in the biblical requirements that children obey their parents. That's what we've, that's what we've been talking about um, so far is that idea that requiring obedience of children it is implicit uh, because the scripture it's a requirement that scripture in the scripture that children obey their parents um, again it's uh, they are to do so in the Lord this is right it makes no sense that God would require um, children to obey parents and not require parents to require obedience from the children again it's part of our job uh, to do that as parents part of our responsibility um, again you may have read uh, some of the psychological studies that Sometimes, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, what's Dobson's first name? James. James Dobson talks about it. It's not all bad. Um, I don't like basing things on that. But he does talk about this idea that for um, children, this seems to be true in maybe, maybe every case, but their first idea or their concepts that they form about God are based entirely on their concepts of mom and dad and that relationship. Now, it's primarily dad, but not only dad. So just in general, if dad tends to only correct the kids when he's angry, then the child will tend to think that that's the way God is. 
It doesn't mean they will only think that's the way God is, but they will kind of lean in that direction. There's a very strong influence there. Uh, if dad seems to be aloof, then they tend to think that God is the same way. So there's a great deal that's involved in the relationship that we have uh, with our children. And so we need to recognize that when, he t- when he's commanding children to obey their parents, that we as parents need to require that of our children. And uh, that's important. So because we do represent God to our small children, um, then it is really, I would say, deadly for us to ignore these commands that God has given because it is very important. Secondly, um, that would, this would be maybe the obvious thing. To require obedience of children, it's possible. What I mean by that is um, sometimes if you ever watch, uh, I, I know it gets harder to watch comedians because they're not always clean, um, but there's that running joke about how men cannot understand women and they're unable to understand their wives. In the Bible, what does God say to men? He says, live with your wife in understanding uh, so that your prayers are not hindered. Well, the reason why God says that is because that's a possibility. You really can understand your wife. Now, it doesn't say it's not going to require a great deal of work. However, it, you can do that. God isn't asking to do something that cannot be done. So then, back to this. In the same way, when he commands children to obey their parents, this is something that can be done. It is a possibility. God is not asking us to do something that, even if all of society is against it, um, it can be done. It is interesting if you read, uh, sometimes it can get a little, um, not, not just boring, but a little maybe involved. But there's been studies in anthropology and child psychology and all this, this idea that is across the board throughout the world where it seems to be natural for, for children to obey their parents. That's commonly understood as the right thing. Regardless of the religious background or the culture or the century any individual lives in, the idea that a child is beholding to a parent seems to be fairly normal across the board. I think part of that can be explained, that uh, the Bible says that God has written his law in the, in the heart of man. That's, that is the way that God has designed us and created us. So it's not a far-fetched idea. You have to work hard on this idea of trying to liberate children uh, from parents and from the authority of parents, but rest assured that there are many people in our society that continue to work on that. There continues to be, you know, there's an enormous amount of laws that are being passed every year. There's an an enormous number of movements that are are taking place that we are probably just very much unaware of unless some watch group catches them, where there is a a desire and a purposeful design uh, and intent to undermine parental authority and to uh, turn it over, really, in a sense, to the government. It's not some big, huge government conspiracy. It's not like a bunch of the government are trying to figure this out. But you do have those individuals who believe that the government is really the only proper place for certain things, and that authority should rest with the government. And, and they have all these different ideas about what the government should be and how it's, it's the masses and, and that, that children are too... I've heard this argument given that children are so important. They're too important to leave their training, and the, their, their early formation as individuals to parents. I'm thinking it is so important it needs to be, we need to bolster and support what parents are doing, and it should not be given to the government. But again, there is a uh, man in his rebellion against God. We need to understand that that is what's going on. It is not that, it is not that some of these individuals in government are thinking, I hate God, and so I want to undermine parental authority. That's, that's not how they're thinking. 
But there are things that are in place that are of God, and because of a natural bent to rebel against God, which also means there's a natural bent to rebel against maybe whether you want to call it the natural order of things, whatever it happens to be, there's a lot of ways to phrase it, but it's all rooted in man's rebellion against God. Uh, if you read, again, I, I, I can't recommend this book enough, the book by Nancy Piercy that came out this year called Love Thy Body. It deals with the whole transgender and all the gender identity things that are going on. Uh, it's just really excellent in every way, you, and you should read it. You should, you should buy it, you should read it, you should mark it. Then you want to make sure that your children read it. Um, uh, if your child's in high school, I think they can read it. If they can't grasp all of it, you can help understand it. But she just does a really great job in explaining in detail not only why we are going in this direction, but how and all the different ways it violates what the Word of God says. And it's just very, very logical. It's very rational. It's also very, very biblical. Um, she's just done a, a fantastic job, uh, to say the least. And so because of what we are facing, and this is tied into the undermining of parental authority, because remember, um, it's already, I don't know if it's in every state, because uh, I'm not up on all those things, but I do know that at least in many states, that if you have a daughter who's 14 years of age and she gets pregnant, she can talk to a school counselor who can recommend them getting abortion, and they don't have to tell you. They don't have to tell mom and dad. They do not need that. That's nuts. And then when it comes to this whole gender identity thing, you know, you now have this, 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 this argument going where there are certain parents. We know this is already happening in Europe. Um, they're toying with some of these things, and there may be some isolated cases how, now in our country, where parents are deciding that their 7-year-old or their 8-year-old needs the surgery to change their gender. And there's people all over the place on that, both believers and non-believers on that. that there's a problem with that. Um, but I guarantee you that the target eventually is going to be those parents who are against that. And the question that would be raised is, so what gives the parent the right to deny their child gender correction surgery? I don't think that's the right term, but whatever the term is, they're going to say, that's, it's going to be back that fundamental question. What gives the parent the right? We, we do believe. You cannot eliminate the Bible from our thinking because I don't think that we have anything to stand on to say, well, my wife and I gave birth to our child. You know, we, we formed them. So we have that right. And, but as Christians, we know that's based on what? On what God's word says. But society doesn't recognize God's word as an authority. Not any longer. And so one day, it's going to begin to happen. Where the arguments will be made legally that uh, in certain situations, parents will not have the right or their, or their rights will be overruled or something will take place where a child will be um, allowed to have some kind of surgery like that, which is life-altering. Uh, growing numbers of individuals who've had that surgery regret it when they get older, but that's a whole other issue uh, to deal with later. But it's going to happen. So we need to remember then as, as Christians that we, um, we don't want to pretend that somehow we can claim our authority as parents or, or the child uh, it being mandated that they submit to parents, that somehow that is, that is a conclusion we can come to outside of the Bible. God has given us that truth. And that's what we firmly believe in, to be what is right uh, and what is correct. 
and because our country continues to move in a very secular uh, direction, that's just not going to be recognized. And uh, we need to get, when I say get used to it, uh, that doesn't mean that we get used to it to accept it, but that we should not be stunned when that takes place. So then, um, uh, God does again require uh, that children obey their parents because it's possible. Uh, children under, uh, little children can be shown effectively that they are not to touch and bite and pull and poke and spit out and shriek. Uh, you and I are bigger than they are, and we are to use our size to save them. doesn't mean that we become monsters, uh, but we're bigger than they are for a reason. And that's just all there is to it. Um, and we are to uh, not allow them to live lives as selfish little beings. Remember, they're born that way, believing that all of the world revolves around them. And so part of our response was to teach them that it doesn't. Um, that's why we often use the word no a great deal uh, in the beginning, and not always the word yes. Um, they have to learn. Well, no, that's not right. Uh, nope, that's not right, because the natural tendency is always to go wrong. Number three, requiring obedience should always be practiced at home on even things that are inconsequential so that it is possible in public when it comes to things that are of great consequence. In other words, um, it's important to pay attention to the details. Where parents sometimes mess up is we overlook small things. Now, that doesn't mean to be a tyrant. It doesn't mean that you freak out over every single thing they do wrong. But we need to make sure that we catch them on the, on the small things. Yes, I believe in positive reinforcement. But I also believe that when it comes to overlooking small acts of disobedience, uh, you know, again, as I've said before, just, just so, we kinda, so you know where I'm coming from, you know, I was one uh, that believed in spanking a great deal, but I didn't spank for everything. And so there were times when I would not spank for every little thing, but I did correct every little thing. All right, they're, they're not allowed for, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, let's say, Dad, your wife is telling your child to do something, and they do this famous thing that we all know about. It's the rolling of the eyes. That's, that may be funny, but it's not funny. Because that means a great deal. That needs to be addressed. There's a lot of ways you can address it. It needs to be addressed. I don't know if you've ever seen this. If we take it one, you know, take it to uh, an extreme kind of situation, which is not as extreme as you think it is, uh, because again, I've I've come in contact with people who've done this. I've I've seen this on on videos that people shoot where uh, there's a, they have a little kid, he's four, five, six years old, and you know they're talking like mom or dad, and they start cussing, and mom and dad are laughing at that. They just think it's hilarious. Uh, that ain't, that's not just not, it's not funny. And that needs to be corrected. It may not be the extreme of that, but it needs to be addressed. And so even though we may be thinking it's just not a big deal, you're right. It's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. And if you just watch people or families in public, you have to be careful how you do this because I'm not trying to say, okay, here's a sheet and you can really judge people. But there's some general things that are true. And even though sometimes families can have bad moments in public, that can happen. We also can see how kids are just in general. And sometimes you can say, man, I wonder what it's like at home. Because you see how the kids act in public. And sometimes what that, all that means is at home, home's a zoo. The kids can do just whatever they want. So, again, we want to make sure that we're careful in not judging people harshly in the context of the church 
Uh, our goal is we want to we help each other. Now, sometimes parenting and parenting advice can be kind of, people can be kind of sensitive to that. So, but we have a great tool that we can use that's at our disposal. And that is, when you, if you are noticing something, the first thing you should begin to do is begin to pray for them and for that family in that situation. If you think it's serious, you need to begin to pray. The, the best case scenario is, is you pray and things then begin to change. You know, because just in case you were unaware, God does answer prayer. And so we need to pray. However, if we are praying for them, and maybe this, whatever the situation is, it persists, you begin to ask God to give you wisdom so that you can try to find a way to approach. That can be hard because, like I said, people can be real sensitive about that. And they don't want you telling them nothing. (laughs) Now, it shouldn't quite be like that as Christians, but we're also human beings. And so we just have to be aware of that. Um, and uh, that's why uh, those who are older should have wisdom, and that's why we want to build relationships with each other, because that's usually the best source uh, for that kind of a discussion, is when someone that you're close to says, I just want you to know I've been praying about this for da-da-da-da-da, I've noticed this, and then as the one who's giving the advice, number one, if they react poorly to you, don't take it personal, just because they might still heed it. You don't know that. They're just they're reacting at the moment. Maybe they're embarrassed. However, um, uh, so don't take it personal. And then um, we want to make sure that we don't allow that to become a wall of division. We, we, we say what we have to say. We, we want it. We're willing to help them whatever we can. Um, and we all want to be teachable. And we want to we listen. Uh, my dad taught me this a long time ago. And he said that when, when people call you on something, he said... Even if you're convinced they're absolutely wrong, he says, just see if you can try to find the grain of truth. There may be some truth there. They may not be stating it correctly. And look for whatever that is that, that maybe you need to hear. Um, and sometimes that's, that's what we do. Um, if, you, if you don't hear it, you know, don't, don't worry about it. But it's a hard thing, but we need to do that. And, I, and I, maybe more so than ever before, um, because the world really is against us. Uh, the world is against parental authority, and parents today, I do think, are under an enormous amount of pressure from society, an unspoken thing uh, when it comes to the raising of their kids and how we speak to our kids and how we treat our kids, what we do for our kids, and all those kinds of things. Remember, the world has no clue. They do not know what they're doing. Uh, and so even though there's all that pressures out there, we need to be of a real support with each other. So then also, um, if you see... Uh, a family, and let's say that they are correcting their children, you think it's, you think it's kind of harsh. Again, pray for them. Do everything you can to support them. Because remember, you don't know everything. Maybe they need to be harder or harsh. Because sometimes certain kids, they need that. Um, if you see a mom and dad losing their patience, then perhaps it's a time we can try to find a way, how can we help them? Uh, they're experiencing some kind of stress or, or not handling it, handling it well. But the idea is that we, is that we, it's not that we want to be the boss and tell people what to do. That we really want to help. In this, hopefully in the same way that you would want to help your own kids. And we're, and we're going we're gonna to make mistakes in doing that. We're not always going to do it and say things the right way. Again, that's why it's so important that we develop our relationships with each other so we at least have this understanding that even though I don't like what someone so just said to me, I know they love me. And that's going to make me at least rethink what, what, what they were trying to do or what they were trying to say. If we're strangers, it's not going to come across real well. 
And so, we, so that's why we need to pray and ask God for wisdom and really develop the, the relationships that we have with each other so we can be close in that way. And so we can be, be of some kind of help uh, to each other. Because again, it's, it's, uh, there's just a lot of, of pressure. And, and part of that is there's an immense amount of pressure from our society for individuals to not publicly discipline their children. Now, there are certain ways I think that should and should not be done. Uh, but our society is just not understanding. So then, uh, I'll take a simple scenario, okay? So um, you are out to eat with a family. You don't have any kids. They have kids, and you're eating. You're at Carrie Hilliard's, and you're eating. And one of their kids is just acting up. You swear they're possessed. And so the mom or the dad say, will you excuse me? And they take their child to the bathroom. You need to do all you can to support that. That's a great thing they're doing. Whatever they're going to do in there, that is good. And so they, may, they might be hesitating you know, about, can you watch our kids? I will watch your kids. Take care of that devil. <laughs> no, <laughs> the point is, is we want to be supportive of that. And so that's why we want to make sure, as Christians, that we are informed by the Bible on this and not by our society. Because our society continues to go... If for I don't mean this in a political way, but our society continues to go in a very liberal direction. And we, we need to make sure that, that we are in support of doing things the way that the scripture says. And so we want to be a support to them. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to somehow, oh, no, 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 don't do that here. That, oh, they, they, mm, be careful. We need to be careful with all that. So, it, again, it can be difficult. Uh, but, again, at, at home... We want mom and dad to understand that um, uh, we want to uh, demand obedience, even on those things that are inconsequential, um, because it is important. Uh, this, this, this kind of training uh, teaches children that obedience, um, if, we, if we don't do that, we're teaching our children that obedience is optional. And again, we want them to know that obedience is not optional. And again, even as grandparents, you know, my grandchildren know that obedience is not an option. They must obey. I don't like doing that. I hate doing that. But and I've never had to spank. Well, I had to smack one of them once on the hand. I hated that. But it had to be done. She was out of control. And so it had to be done. But I wanted to know that obedience is not an option. Now, because I'm older and because I'm not there all the time, I can do it different ways than, than the mom and dad. But it's, a, it's the same thing. And so we need to make sure that that's important uh, and that we don't overlook their rebellion at home. Uh, that it, again, that it's dealt with and that we're dealing with that issue. And if it's something that comes up more than once, you do need to discuss it with your children so they can be aware of it because they may have already been dealing with it already and they might be assuming that everything is fine when they're with you and it may not be. Remember that in all of this, we, well, the way that we should be thinking is this obedience thing with parents. It's directly tied into their soul and their future relationship with God himself. And that's why we want to make sure that, that we're on the right page with this, period. It's just, it's, there's no way that we can overemphasize that. Um, and so that's why we need to pay, pay special attention to it. To require our children to obey, this would be fourthly, takes effort. It requires effort to get our children to obey, and it's worth it. On a practical level, this is where parents sometimes mess up because it appears that if a child 
let's just say it's a bedtime thing. You know, kid doesn't want to go to bed. It's, it's their bedtime. They don't want to go to bed. And so there's this fighting back and forth. And so the parent finally says, well, it's not worth it. I keep getting upset. And so I'm just going to let them stay up another half an hour, hour. Who's it going to hurt and let it go? Well, that can hurt a lot of things. Okay, because again, you're letting them know their obedience is optional. And we think that we are going to exert less energy in, allow, in giving in, in at those times. Then and the long run, it's going to require more energy. And so it's better to be just regimented and, and it's just, it goes better. Um, and then you have the exceptions to the rules, which, which can go okay. Uh, but it's always wonderful to see. I, don't, I just don't want you to know that this is possible. I've seen it happen in many homes where mom and dad calmly say to the kids, it's 7.30, you need to put on your pajamas and brush your teeth. And the kids instantly disappear. And they put on their pajamas and brush their teeth. And some parents are thinking, there's no way. Yes, it seems like heaven. But it happens for many Every now and then, because even kids that are obedient do this, they test the line. They're in a bad mood. They're whiny. I don't want to. And that's when you need to, no, it's 7.30. They just need to know that. It's important for them. And, and so we need to recognize that, that uh, by, by insisting on those things, it requires much less effort. Because instead of, if, if we don't, if, if they end up growing up thinking, even though they may not be thinking out this phrase, that obedience is optional, the time when you're really going to be exhausted is when they turn 12, 13, and 14. That's, that's normally how it goes. When, when ha- people have a great deal of trouble with their 13-year-old, we sometimes say, well, you know how it is when they come 13. Well, I think for some, yes. But for most, No. And the reason why it's that way is because the problems that they're experiencing now didn't happen or start last night. It may have started when they were five or six or whatever it happens to be. So there's consequences to the way that we do things. And again, remember that through all of this, perfection is not a requirement to be an effective parent. That's not in the Bible anywhere. If perfection was a requirement, then God wouldn't let us, allow us to have children. All that is into the mix. Do we need the help of God? Absolutely. We do. And it begins with the basic understanding of truth. This is what it is. This is the basic building block of the family. This is the basic building block of of how children are to be raised. Remember that if you raise your children insisting they obey you, you will be friends. You may not be buddies, but you're not supposed to be buddies. But that doesn't mean you can't be close. You can be extremely close. You can be unbelievably close as children and parents. What many, many parents are yearning for is, you know, that closeness. They want, to be their, they want to be their child's best friend. That's the wrong approach. But you can be extremely close by insisting that you are their parent when they're very, very young. That does not damage the relationship. It makes the relationship healthy. And uh, I don't have any, you know, I think about my parents. My parents are both alive. They're 81 uh, I know my parents weren't perfect. Uh, we're close. We do not talk every day. The relationship isn't that way, but we're close. I have enormous respect for my parents. I don't have any regrets with my parents. My parents, again, weren't perfect. My relationship with my parent, 
parents are, was not ruined because my dad was pretty strict. Actually, he was very strict. Really, really strict. <laughs> I, but I needed that. But the point is, is that didn't ruin the relationship. It enhanced the relationship. He's always my father. And I, you know what? I don't want him to be anyone else. We can be close and do a lot of things together, but I want him to be my father. He suddenly becomes someone other than my father. I'm lost. I wouldn't know what to do. The world's over if that happens. And so that's important. And we want to make sure we keep that in mind. So again, uh, it's important that we uh, follow through. And uh, that, uh, again, requiring obedience, again, does take energy, both physically and emotionally. Uh, It may seem simpler to let them have their way, but that is not uh, the way it's going to go. The result of letting kids have their way is you will have uncontrollable children. Maybe not now, maybe not tomorrow, but in a few weeks, maybe a few months, yes, you will. Um, when the mom begins to feel powerless and if dad becomes a patsy, um, then it's just going to be an explosion of events that take place later in life. And I want to make sure that we avoid that. Okay, I have to stop. <laughs> there's a couple of things that we need to just kind of that we want to do is that we want to deal with as we think about these things and again back to the basic phrasing if we get back to the basic phrasing and then try to understand all of its possible implications not that we're going to come up with all of them but we want to think about their possible imp- implications and, and how that's to form the way we think uh, as believers when it comes to these relationships and as I said before that even if you don't have children or your children are already grown or, or, you, you know, or whatever your situation is, A, we as individuals need this, we need to understand this, and there may be times, hopefully there will be times, that you will be in a position to be able to give help, to give advice. You want your advice to be biblical. It may be out of the blue. All of a sudden, someone comes to you and says, you know, I'm just going to have a lot of problems with my eight-year-old, and I do not know what to do. And you're sitting there like, uh, you can just begin to go through some basic things. And they might be doing all the basic things right, and, and if you find that out, you say, you know what? You know, first of all, you want to encourage them. Say, well, we need to pray and ask for God's wisdom because as far as I can tell from what the Bible says, you are seeking to do these things the right way. And so there may be something else we have to look at or whatever the case happens to be. But if we want to be a real help to people, then we need to know what the Bible says on all the things that it talks about. And none of us are going to be experts as individuals in that sense, but we can have a good general idea of what the Bible says. And there I don't, know if it's, I don't know if we can use the word often. I, I, I'm tempted to use the word often. It seems, anyway, that often that when people are having difficulties, the problems are pretty easy to spot. Mom and dad, for example, are just not consistent. That, that, that can be a general problem. No matter what else is going on, until that's fixed, you can't find out what else is wrong. They have to be consistent. Right? And, and, and once they get that under their belt and, and we kind of work through some of those things, then it may come to, to light as to maybe there are some of the issues that need to be addressed. Because there are some things. In the day and the age we live in, there are some things that we understand uh, that may be going on with the child that we need to get checked out. But we want to eliminate those things that might be emanating from mom and dad and make sure that we eliminate those things and that we are, again, seeking the help of the Lord. And if we do so, um, I, think, I think God will answer our prayers and he will help us. Because God does care. And keep this in mind. When we read through the Bible and we see these commands that God gives us, which, which transcend time and culture, um, and God has given this to us, for, given, all, given us these things for our benefit, it's important to keep this in mind. And that is, is that God loves your child more than you do. Which is an amazing thing to think about. To think about how much I love my children. And, and then God loves my grandchildren more than I do. 
And the one who loves my grandchildren more than I do says, children must obey their parents. That's what he says. And so I'm going to pass that along because God's always right. And I, I, I don't know how to imagine that he loves my grandchildren more than I do, but I know he does. And he, and he loves them perfectly. And my love for them is imperfect. And so I'm going to give ground to the Bible and follow what it says because that's the path to true success and happiness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, we thank you for your grace. And again, Lord, for these, really, these very simple but profound statements that are made about the relationship that children and parents are to have with each other. And Lord, it implies a lot of things. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to really grasp the meaning and the implications of your word. Help us, Father, to, with great simplicity, uh, submit ourselves to your word. And though, Father, we may not understand all the reasons why, Father, we need to begin with the fact that we fear you, that we love you, that you're always right, that you're always correct, that you know what is best, that your wisdom is much more profound than ours. You already know all possible outcomes. You never make mistakes. You are not evil. You are just good and loving. And Lord, we could go on. But all those things are really on your resume And it makes no sense for us to try to go in another direction. And so we pray that you would help us, Father, with this. To simply live in obedience ourselves to what you say. And to trust you. Because, Father, even if we don't understand all these other things, we can begin there. We can trust you. And we do trust you. And yet we ask you to help us to trust you as we ought to. Father, we thank you again for the fact that you have addressed every facet of life in your word. And so we pray and ask that you would help us to be submissive to that. That, Father, we would always have a strong desire to want things to go your way, primarily, and then secondarily, our way. And then if things going our way means that it doesn't go your way, that we will deny ourselves and we'll give credence to what you've said. Thank you, Father, again for being so patient with us. We know, Lord, that with many of us, maybe all of us, you have blessed us and our families in spite of us. Father, we pray that you would help us to not so much be in the way, but, Father, to be of a great help in whatever situation we find ourselves because we are committed to your word. And so we thank you, and we do ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.